You're listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 363. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Dwayne, to discuss the third and final season of the German Netflix series, Dark. And we've reached the halfway point um, already, and, and we've been able to keep up the pace of getting the podcast out a little more quickly, so that's good. And, um, you know, it's it's one of these deals that uh you know there, there's no perfect answer for how to release and i'm going to explain what i mean even further uh, about that in a second true uh, and again you, you know we've, we've talked about it and we struggle with it and i think we've come up with a, a fairly reasonable kind of middle ground on it yeah so. now do you watch the showtime show billions with paul giamatti I don't. I don't get Showtime, but I know uh, okay. you're a big fan of it, though. Uh, okay, so let's pretend that Dark was released week by week on Showtime. All right. So my wife and I are watching the current season. I think it's like season five of Billions, episode seven. All right, cool. Next week, well, where's episode eight? Well, maybe they just took a week off. Another week goes by. Well, where's episode eight? Another week goes by. So I do a little bit of research. Well, they were still in production for the final uh, episodes of the season. Right. So there we are. We're not going to get any more episodes till 2021 <laughs> at the earliest. Yep. So stuff can happen. And I, I still, in a perfect world, it would be great to do dark week by week. But my gosh, can you imagine yeah the outcry right <laughs> that yeah yeah so the the netflix business model is not entirely uh bad well and that's also like supernatural right um yeah this is their final season and they got i think like 15 episodes in and that potentially might be it like the, the, you know they 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 were in, in mid production for the the season they you know, they ran all the episodes that they'd completed, and who knows if they'll go back and finish Supernatural out. Yeah. It's crazy. Hard to believe that they would do that to Supernatural, but you never yeah, know. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I haven't really read a lot about it, but I've just seen some people, you know, saying, you know, offhandedly, like, well, that might be it uh, for good. And just like, you just can't imagine that, you know, like a show that's been on that long to not give it its proper finish. Yeah, you think they'd have to e- even if it's just a 2-hour movie at some point. Right. So, now in, in terms of news, this is something I shot you a message about a few days ago, and even though it's not genre, it's still a great show and I'm sure a lot of you guys watch it. Netflix renewed The Last Kingdom for a fifth season and no no words available about production and eventual release date. That's certainly good news, I would think. Um, yeah, it's fantastic and, news. Yeah, and in terms of what we're watching, we'll make it quick again this week because we've got so much dark to talk about. Uh, I'm taking a pause from Once Upon a Time because with seven seasons, 22 episodes a season, it's difficult to focus mm-hmm. solely on that. So we're starting another Finnish crime drama called Deadwind, which just dropped its second season. We loved Border Town, which I talked about on the podcast a few months back. And we're five or six episodes into Deadwind. It's great. Focuses on a female detective whose husband died in an accident two months prior. 
She's just back to work, 17-year-old stepdaughter, 8-year-old son, and she's given a new partner that she doesn't want and a murder to solve. And I just love just the whole feel of this Finnish noir look. Mm-hmm. And and again, I spoke about this in Border Town. It just really struck me that they chose to film in the winter. And they're doing the same thing with Deadwind. I mean, you know, Finland has normal seasons. They could have filmed it when the weather was better. But it just adds so much to the look and the feel of the uh, series. So Deadwind, if you're into crime dramas, highly recommend it. Well, if you're into 18th century uh, political and social commentary, then you could probably do worse than Hamilton. I know I mentioned it last week that I started watching it, um, and the, this week I went and watched the rest of it, and it was pretty awesome. I mean, I'd listened to the soundtrack a lot, but I'd never seen it acted out, and I wanted to actually tie in our little bit of our um, you know genre here with a nod to David Diggs, who is freaking incredible in in hamilton i know there's a lot of talented people in there there's well i mean everyone super talented cast but to me david diggs really really stands out of course he's given like this really two of the juiciest roles of lafayette and especially thomas jefferson um he gets to kind of ham it up a little bit as jefferson especially but uh really you know just a phenomenal show and the, the whole vibe of it and and everything just uh you know really great and and uh, with the original cast and all these like really super talented people it was uh this is definitely a, a treat to watch so um and yeah i've actually seen some articles talking about you know hey how come you know broadway doesn't do this more often and well obviously you know big productions aren't going to necessarily don't want to necessarily film and release their productions on film because they want people to come to New York and see it, but not everyone has that ability. And and so this is like a, you know, maybe the success of, of this partnership between Disney and Hamilton might encourage other big Broadway productions to, you know, film uh, the cast performing it and release it on you know Netflix or Disney and kind of bring it to people who would normally not get a chance to see it at all. Let's talk Dark 304, The Origin, written by Yante Frisia, directed by Baron Bo Odar. And as I said, we're at the midpoint with episode four of an eight-episode season. And in addition to the obvious reveal at the end of the episode about The Origin, I mean, we really get to examine a lot of origin stories of several characters who undergo pretty significant transformations. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got Egon, the Tranta yana claudia triangle yeah that's so weird yeah claudia and burned and 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 then the power plant itself so we'll we'll talk about each of those in a little bit the hanno tauber as noah is revealed to us and and hanno it's got an extra n in there but it is sort of an anagram for noah and I forgot, he and Agnes leave 1953 at the same time. Right. So, and, and certainly we know their destinations. Is adult unknown Tronta's father? It what do you think? certainly I mean, seems like it. 
I mean, he he gives a vague explanation as if it's not creepy enough. Yeah. I don't have a name. I was never given one. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah, you're a grown man. Give yourself one. People do it all the time. And is Agnes the mother of future girl? Because that scene later in the episode when they're hugging right before Agnes puts on the yellow suit and presumably goes into the God particle and travels somewhere. So we don't get anything more than that. It just struck me as a hug more than just of colleagues. But given that this is dark time travel, these complicated family trees, who the heck knows what their connection might end up being. Yeah. I, you know, I really am trying to just kind of stay away from the family tree stuff altogether because I just feel like the, that's just spoiler heaven. It seems like, you know, like I don't want to know like some of these relationships just yet, uh, beyond what I, you know, what we, what we know that's in front of us. So, um, and I know it was, you know, the, that family tree was in the episode and, and you could easily pause it and see it, but like, I just, I don't, I don't want to know, you know, I, I want, I want to play it out. I want to see these things as, as they come. The yellow coat, the yellow dress, the yellow barrels. Right. I mean, w- we talked a few weeks back about the color yellow and its symbolism of optimism, enlightenment, but also fire and purification and and we do kind of get the sense that at least adam wants to burn everything to the ground and start over so yeah you really really get that that yellow jacket as a like almost like a a a symbol of like as you said like of of innocence right that Jonas wore it back in season one and now martha the yellow jacket martha um as long as she has it on she's still in that state of innocence. Now, of course, by the end of this, she is no longer in a state of innocence. So um, will we still see her in the yellow jacket? Right. And it really is driven home in this episode when Doris takes the yellow dress that Agnes had given her out of the closet and and holds it close and even smells it for a, a second or two. And certainly Doris is at this point I don't want to say the ultimate innocent because she has learned that her husband's having an affair and the woman that she has fallen in love with has disappeared. So, you know, I, I don't want to say she's totally innocent, but right. I guess it, in the. Yeah. And that's a bit rich of her to take kind of the moral high ground here as far as infidelity. I mean, yeah, obviously Aegon is, is, you know, that's a bad thing that he did, but let's not forget our own, your, your, your own transgressions there, Doris, like it wasn't too long ago. Yeah. Now, the other thing that really struck me in this episode was that, that little video montage that Dark is so fond of doing almost in every episode and the song that's playing over top it, which is called the Labyrinth Song. I'll probably mispronounce the artist's name. He's Israeli, Asaf Avidan. I don't know if you looked anything up about that song. No, I, you know, I meant to, and I just forgot. Well, obviously what catches your attention is the mention of Ariadne, and it really is about the 
you know, complexities of the mind and, and relationships. And I mean, it doesn't necessarily tie into dark per se, because I think it's a 2011 song maybe, Mm -hmm. but, oh, it's just so powerful in this context. And again, how did they find that song? I'd never heard of this artist before, but, oh boy, what a. Yeah, YouTube. Yeah, well, I that's where I looked it up, but I, I yeah, so that song was too. was awesome. It uh, very much uh, reminiscent of like a Leonard Cohen song. You know, it sounded, you know, I almost, you know, I, I, that's why I wanted to look it up. I'm like, did did Leonard Cohen write this thing? Because yeah, that was a real and obviously just spot on with um, relating to the the images that are are being shown while the song's playing. Now, we've also got Hannah pregnant in 2020, Alt Winden, and now pregnant in 1953, Winden. So I don't know what that's all going to be about. She's ready to give birth, or so it would seem, in 2020. I assume it's going to be two different children. We will see. Yeah. But then we find out that Yellowcoat Martha, and I, I do like that suggestion, but mm-hmm. the other thing is not so much dark coat Martha. I've been calling her in my notes traveling Martha. So okay. yellow coat Martha gets pregnant in Alt Winden 2020, learns of the pregnancy as traveling Martha from Adam in 2052. And of course, we learn that the son of Jonas and yellow coat Martha is the origin, right? Whatever that means. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that's what Jonas has been searching for, right? To the, and again, we, we go back to this question of what is, is the end game here for these people, for, for Martha, for Adam, every time we turn around, the one says, Oh, well, he or she lied to you when they told you that, you know? Like, so there's, so it, it seems at this point that Adam's endgame is to, or and even Martha and Adam together wanted Martha and Jonas to get together and create a child. Now, what does then, what are they going to do with it now? You know, does what's Adam's plan now? Because if they didn't want the origin to occur, which was, you know, when he was younger, he was trying to stop the origin. Well, he could just stop Jonas and Martha from, from doing it. You know? Yeah. You, you would think, but instead they facilitate it. And now like, we're again, I'm wondering, well, why what's, what's the plan? How, how are you going to, stop the apocalypse or are you simply do you want the apocalypse to happen is you know again this idea of everything happening in this cycle and being trapped in uh, there's someone says something i can't remember but you know just you know being caught up in this continual cycle which seems like that just seems like the end game of these two that they just want to continue for things to happen as they are well, right. And the other thing is we've sort of felt as if the origin was referring to what started the apocalypse. 
And of course, that takes us to the power plant. And we spent a lot of time in 1954 in this episode. And the origin of the nuclear power plant is part of that. And not surprisingly, we learned that the coal industry was trying to prevent it. Mm-hmm. And the cleft lip trio facilitates the building of the power plant by, you know, basically threatening the mayor. And, you know, Fred points out in his feedback, and I didn't notice this until he pointed it out, that the cleft lip trio's scar is different in Altwinden than it is in Winden Prime. So then the question becomes, does it change when they travel? Because we're thinking they travel between worlds or are there two sets of the trio? Yeah, that was actually in my notes. I was like, you know, it seems like these guys are kind of come from Eva's world, but yet they are interacting a lot with Jonas's world. But, you know, when Fred dropped that bomb, I'm like, oh, wow, are there two different sets of these guys? You know, then that's, that, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, and that has to be a possibility yeah. because uh, you start thinking, all right, the only person that's traveled between worlds is Jonas and and uh and Martha and Martha but it doesn't necessarily have to only be those two so right. you know could could this group be traveling back and forth or are there two separate the other thing that really struck me in this episode what is up with their technique of surrounding yeah. their prey in right. this little triangular formation i know it's and you know what i think the kid is the creepiest of the three of them, I think. Oh, it, when he holds the gun yeah. on the mare in the car. It's like, uh, let a junior cut his teeth on this one. Jeez. Yeah, I, I thought it was creepy when he was taking the apples in uh, Bern Doppler's right. office. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, the other thing uh. in the 54 timeline you know, we get the origin of the Claudia, Tranta, and Yana love triangle that, that, of course, we knew that Tranta was carrying on an affair with Claudia in 1986. But here we see the seeds of that. You know, I mentioned at the top of the discussion, is adult unknown Tranta's father? And, and of course, we bring that up because of that scene in the woods when he says that you know, I knew your mother claims to have chosen Tranta's name and then gives him that bracelet that he says belonged to his mother, Oros Boros. That's what it looks like to me. It does, yeah. So I don't know if there's an official. So, so that's what Fred called it. And he, I'm sure he paused it to, to check it out. So, but yeah, when you see it, it definitely, uh, it definitely looks like an Ouroboros which we've right, seen in a number of, of shows. And I, I think there's certainly uh, a scene at the end of the episode that it doesn't necessarily answer it. It just adds confusion to you know the confused state we're already in about who is who in this episode. But I guess we have to ask ourselves why 
are the three of them bent on making sure that the nuclear power plant gets built? For whom are they working? Right. I mean, it seems as if one time they're working for Adam, one time they're working for older Martha. So, right. Well, and, and yeah. And in addition that they are killing all these people too, like it, I don't know if they're, it's, it's just, it's, it's very unclear what, like I said, again, what is the end game of these characters? What are they trying to accomplish? And it is super unclear, except for, like you said, like to, to make sure the the power plant gets built, but the, power plant gets built you know like that's if, if we go by this theory of time that we see in the show that the things that happen happen then why do they need to facilitate the thing happening that, that has already happened is is inevitable is going to happen unless the, the inevitability of the thing happening is because of their facilitation in the first place was making my head hurt yeah. but but here's one then, thing about the the the, the, the trio because which, like, again, this is, I just listened to Fred's feedback right before we started doing this, and kind of my mind got blown a little bit by the, this idea of there being two separate groups of the, the cleft lip trio. And the thing is, is they are, for every other character between Alt-World and Winden Prime or whatever, we can tell who's who and what's what. Right, we know which Hannah is is Alt Hannah. We know which Marta is Alt Marta. Well, there's only one of them, so that's easy. But you know, like which Ulrich, uh, which Katarina, which Magnus. There's like there's slight differences in just appearance of those characters. Uh, for you know, Francisca being deaf in the Alt world, Ellie being deaf in in the the Prime world. So, but with these three, they're they're indistinguishable. From one, they don't look different. They don't dress differently, uh, except for as 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 Fred said that they ha- the cleft is on the you know the right side for one group of guys and the left on the other. So that's really sneaky ball, I have to say. Yeah, and you know the other thing that that comes out as we're talking about uh, you know the other trio of young girls, Ines, Claudia, and Yana in, in fifty four. We've seen Yana as an adult who has lost her son and her grandson, and we've really seen her as this pitiful woman, and we understand that. But here, I mean, several things come out of this scene in the woods where they're looking at a nudie magazine that (laughs) Ines has gotten from her father's stuff and uh, whatever, and and then asking, have you ever seen a man's penis? Although I don't think they use the word. Yeah. And and of course Claudia, and I I don't know. Claudia is so unlikable as a child. <laughs> I mean, I thought she was okay as the adult in 1986 running the power plant. I thought she handled the news that time travel is real, and and we see her trying to save her daughter i i I just look at her as a child and think what the hell well because yeah you know i mean we see the scene and obviously yana and tranta like each other at this point 
and Claudia comes up, oh, what are you doing here? And immediately goes for him, mm-hmm. grabs his hand, and okay, so fine, she's 13 or whatever, and maybe that's what a 13-year-old would do, but I don't know. I, I didn't like that scene for a lot of different reasons. Well, right. Well, there's a, there's a lot, actually, to unpack in that scene. Um, you know, first of all, Inez as being the, you know, kind of a bad girl. Yeah, the kid bringing the porn around to show to her friends and everything. Um, what's up with that? You know, and she and she's very like seems world wise, and you know she has a kind of sneaky look in her eyes when she asks Claudia, "Was it Tranta that you saw?" You know, Yana obviously staying off the side. She doesn't even want to look at that, but still not entirely leaving them because there's something about okay you know maybe it's not all bad yeah and you wonder like what what happened here what why did how does tranta end up with yana but then carrying on with claudia still why wasn't he just with claudia the whole time and we can see that that yana's got a, a sweetness to her and almost kind of an innocence that Clearly, Claudia does not, especially by the end of this, when she just shows up in Tranta's room and drops her clothes. It's just like, whoa. Um, well, well, right. When they're walking away and he turns back to look at Yana, maybe I'll see you tomorrow, which is you know, obviously a, a rookie mistake to make if you really like the girl that's holding your hand, which yeah. I, I think at this point, he's really just being manipulated by Claudia. Sure. So, you know, there is that, but it is their origin story. And like you said, why does he just not go with Claudia to begin with? Just don't think he likes her. And why does he have an affair with her? You know, who knows? I mean. Right. Well, it's it's like as an adult, we see him, he seems almost obsessed with her, you know? Like we see him, how like here with the kids. It seems obviously Claudia is the one who seems to be in control of this relationship and is pursuing it the more aggressively. But later, when as adults, we see him, you know, running after her, confronting her at her work, saying, I need to see you, things like that. So, um, yeah, it's just a whole, whole, the whole dynamic is very, very weird. Well, yeah. And and the other thing, and Fred brings this up in his feedback about why Tranta tells yana that he's glad his mother is gone i mean this is after he shows her the burn marks that that presumably he received when he was in foster care and then gives her the bracelet you know why does why is he glad his mother's gone i mean obviously there's something else we don't know has he met noah before Uh, obviously at one point we speculated that noah was his father of course it's his uncle but we don't really know. Right. And, and and that's also a thing with this generation as being really kind of like, they're kind of at the center of things, but still Claudia is the only one who knows anything about the time travel, who's really actively involved in it. Like Yana and Ines, and, well, Ines does know about the time travel a little bit, but but still they're, they're, they seem very kind of like secondary characters in the the larger clash here as opposed to you know the their children and grandchildren who would be are going to be the major players and 
and and and then of course their their parents who for some of them were uncertain of their parentage but it's just kind of like this generation are important to the events but not particularly the 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 major active players in it well now you say that Enes sort of knows about time travel are you saying that because she raises Mickle Michael in 1986 right and he tells her yes. he's from the future yep so okay although then we have to go back that she's drugging him right. which we presume is maybe so that you know because she does maybe think that he's slightly delusional or or whatever but yeah i i get your point so we also see hannah egon and doris in 1954 and the genesis of their various relationships we mentioned the the sex scene between magnus and francesca in in, uh, one of the earlier episodes they're pretty intense they're usually not very long and dark but they are pretty intense scenes and sometimes art does imitate life i guess you know yeah (laughs) but he tells her he loves her and and she's sort of taken aback because you know we know hannah and this is the hannah we know from hannah prime that that traveled back to 1953 and basically uh told ulrich uh i'm leaving you in jail forever (laughs) he gives her a necklace with of course a saint christopher medal Mm -hmm. attached and you know again this is dark so we have to start wondering how many of these necklaces are there or is there just one that gets passed around different timelines right and i I don't know but well we have to feel like like the machine that has suddenly gone missing like doesn't hannah have a, a, a time machine on her just saying well, yeah so right she's um, got it in that little samsonite right. case so so you know like the, like the time machine like i'm assuming that this saint christopher is the same necklace being you know passed from one person to the other and in different time periods that we sometimes see it at the same time but it's still the same necklace yeah now there's some delicious irony related to her choice of the name katarina in 1953 and i I guess a word for it yeah um i mean i guess on the one hand you could argue she chose it because at the beginning she was uh, alluding to the fact that she was the wife of the prisoner that we know as ulrich nielsen even though he hadn't revealed his name yeah poor egon i mean a a really a lot happens yeah i know when i say poor <laughs> no no he brought it all on himself yeah. So. <laughs> yeah don't get me wrong i mean he he returns to the station to find his wife waiting for him and of course he thinks that she's discovered the affair because she says i found something and, and you see this look on his face but it's the handkerchief with ht embroidered it and all she's interested in is finding agnes mm-hmm. but of course he has no clue Right at, at this point, yeah. and I'm not sure he ever. Well, at least through the first four episodes, has a clue that his wife has been in love with Agnes. Right. Like, I mean, he obviously knows that there's troubles at home, um, but I don't think he's like there. There's been times in in season two where he kind of looked at her, and, or maybe season one, but you know, like he, he had kind of like a 
this kind of like, is there something going on here I should know about kind of look on his face? But um, what I, I found, like, we talk about these kind of parallels between Ulrich and um, Aegon. And, you know, there's a big one here. He very quickly and easily tells Hannah that he loves her, which, you know, she wanted Ulrich to say to her, but he never would. And instead, he just tells her that she's beautiful, and and uh, Aegon actually says that as well. He tells her that she's beautiful uh, before they leave. So you know, there's more of these connections here, but uh, you know, so she's kind of getting what she wanted, which is a guy to to be in love with her. But it's not. This isn't the guy she wanted, you know, per se. Yeah, and, and then, of course, she learns she's pregnant by Egon, does not seem pleased at all, and I think she says she's been in 1953 for three months because what struck me the first time I watched it, and maybe I missed that, okay, fine, you're pregnant. Could it be Ulrich's child from 2020? But I guess if she's been there three months um, yeah, and she would – she maybe have raised that. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how she would have raised it, but. but she uh, In three months, she would have, you know, probably to have, you know, been experiencing symptoms and maybe even show a little bit that she would probably be aware that something was going on. Right. Now, the one scene that I'm still having a bit of difficulty understanding, and, and not from the standpoint that it's not important to the overall narrative, when Mrs. Doppler comes to see Egon at the station and poor Egon, he just, and again, <laughs> I use the word poor Egon or the right. phrase. <laughs> um, and he thinks she's there for news about Helga and whoever yeah. kidnapped him. No, she wants to know about the missing minister. Yeah. <laughs> it leaves the door open to the devil, which it actually kind of does. But what's her deal here? Why does she care about the missing Hanno Tauber. I mean, I mean, is she really so concerned that the church will be without a pastor for a few weeks or whatever, or is it something else? I mean, that well, she is definitely a symbol of of extreme conservatism, a very harsh and unapproachable mother. You know, the kind that the, the kid comes in, he's got a little bit of dirt. She makes him take all his clothes off as he steps right inside the house. So, yeah, you know, it's just another example of her, you know, belief in social propriety. I guess not really the word I'm looking for, but just the idea that, that you know, this institutional propriety, I guess, that must be followed and, and to, to care more that the, there's the preacher is missing than the fact that her son was abducted and missing for quite some time, you know? Well, well, it's hard to ignore the religious overtones that Dark has presented us. Sure. So many scenes take place in a church, and certainly a number of reveals occur in churches in season three. And of course we've got the whole Adam and Eva motif that, that pretty much dominates everything at this point. Doris enters the church to find the cleft lip trio. And of course he lets 
slip, and I'm making air quotes because he does it deliberately, that your husband's having an affair. Yeah. And Oops, did I say that out loud? <laughs> yeah. And again, we see the three of them converging in their little triangular formation. Are they threatening her or do they just need her to leave Egon? Because we don't really see Doris. Um, right. Right. In, in any other situation. And I say that because somebody might say, well, you still have four episodes to go. Yeah, I understand that. But a lot of these characters, because we've been moving around timelines and seen child versions, adult versions, older versions, but Doris is one we've only seen in, in, in this one iteration. So, uh, you know, maybe they just need her out of the way. So, Egon will become the Egon that we are introduced to in 1986. Yeah, but this, why? Yeah, well, why, what, exactly. what do you need Egon to be an inept cop for? You know, um, he's already there anyway without the the drinking problem. You know, like it doesn't seem like he's very good uh, necessarily at what he does uh, already. So yeah, just again, like why why is that necessary? Except unless these guys just love making people miserable. Like, hey, let's go well, F with Egon now. and so. Well, yeah, and can I say poor Egon yet again? Go, go ahead. H- Hannah shows up at the station to let him know that she found out she's pregnant. Are you sure it's mine? Yeah. Yeah, well, ouch. Well, no, the first he says, I thought you were taking precautions. As yeah. it's like, it's, you know, like, oh, it's totally your risk. Like, these just, oh, my God, the meat... Hashtag me too on, on Aegon here, boy. Oh, my Lord. Just the worst things you could possibly say. Like, first of all, the suggestion is entirely her responsibility to, to use contraception and then to then turn around and ask her if it's his. Ah, oh, come on, right. man. But, but you know what I really find interesting in this exchange is that she then responds by saying, do you think I chose to live in this shithole? It's like, uh, and, yeah. Well- and I'm thinking, we, you got a time machine, honey. Yeah. I mean, leave if you don't like 1953 Wyndon. Yeah. So I, I don't understand because why is she staying there? She's not staying for Ulrich, we don't think. Right. I mean, there's no indication. That yeah. Certainly the way they left, but. Well, I, yeah, I mean, obviously she doesn't see that there's anything for her in 2020. If she goes back to 1987, then there's all kinds of issues there running into herself and, and everything. So, okay, let's, you know, jump back another 33 years and there's no one around who, you know, she's not around. Her parents are young. And and yet still there's, you know, still modern medicine and things like that. So you go back any further and you're running into like, you know, possibility of, of catching some pretty significant uh, infectious diseases and stuff like that or having to to walk to work or not having television or something like that you know so she i think she's probably just kind of struck the balance between here's where you know i don't know anyone no one knows me and also you know i'll, I'll be able to you know catch uh the howdy duty show at some time as yeah. well now you had mentioned a couple podcasts back about the obendorf family and the fact that it's no surprise that the son's dealing drugs because we've seen what the father does and well we learn the origin of that because i guess grandma obendorf was heck maybe 
her parents did something similar, but she's performing, assume, illegal abortions. Um, Hannah's been given the name of Mrs. Obendorf by Egon. But even before that, Egon comes home. Dude's got flowers. Yeah. And, and I'm thinking, I don't know. You know, you're almost better off going in naked. Forget yeah. the flowers. Forget anything like that. Just, I don't know what. I mean, he he's not ready to confess because he doesn't feel like he needs to at this point. I mean, he, he tries to deny it for a second. And, and of course, Doris doesn't really know who he's having an affair with, just that he's having one. Mm-hmm. But this is kind of his origin story because he just goes all downhill after this. And we see the genesis of his drinking problem. I was hoping he would say, you know, he's got a drinking problem. And then he takes the shot glass, and just throws it in his face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but when Hannah goes to see Mrs. Obendorf, what's the deal with the little girl? I mean, I know that she says her name is uh, Helena Albers, and we know that's going to turn out to be Katharina's mother. Right. Is she there for an abortion? Yes. Okay. I mean, that's certainly what it seemed the way Mrs. Obendorf you know, communicated with her. She's pretty darn young. There, yeah. There's certainly no question there. But uh, again, the irony about the name Katarina is that Helena says it's such a, a beautiful name mm-hmm. or nice name. And we know she's going to end up naming her daughter Katarina, who is going to become the nemesis of Hannah. So the fact that it's Hannah responsible. Yeah. There's is, the, yeah, is, the irony is just is, is almost oozing out of the television on that. You absolutely, um, you know, a little weird to think that, you know, as her child is born, she's like, you know what, I'm going to name her after that nice lady I saw in the abortion clinic. But yeah, just crazy. And we've already said how Helena is just not a super great mom from what we've seen of her in the 80s. And so you know, kind of we we look at Katarina and, and at some times you've been I okay, I have been, you know, critical of her and and her overreaction, the way she, you know, handles things, but man, like her mother is clearly a piece of work. It's almost impressive that Katarina is in any way not some kind of raving psychopath or something like that. And I don't mean to suggest that because Helena got herself pregnant and has to get an abortion, that that means there's something wrong with her. Um, It's just obviously, as you said, she's very, very young. That could doesn't necessarily mean promiscuity. It could mean that she's the victim of some type of assault as well. But either way, when we see her as an adult, we know that she is not a happy person as an adult and that she has a very strained relationship with her daughter. And so we can kind of, like you said, we see the origins of all of these things, right? These All these origin stories or all this stuff that we see, uh, that we have seen already. Yeah, and we don't really know why Hannah changes her mind about going through with the abortion maybe she realizes well i've got a time machine maybe i should go back to 2020 where the medical care and procedures are a lot better right 
than than the option I have here. But she's she like, removes- hang it. I'll, maybe I'll, I'm going to go even 33 years. I'll go into the future and they'll probably do some kind of space age because she doesn't know about the apocalypse, right? So she's like, maybe I'll go to 2053 and then I'll have some really awesome space age doctors help me out. Right. And then she removes the St. Christopher medal and places it on the young girl's clothing. So now we know how Katarina's mother gets her St. Christopher medal, which is how Katarina talks her way into seeing Ulrich. Um, So is this guilt? Is that why she gives this medal to the young girl? Uh, It just seems hard to believe that Hannah would react that way out of guilt. I'm not sure she, you know, really, really feels that way. Well, what it's it's a uh, gift from Aegon. And so she's just like, I mean, she's done with that clown, right? uh, Yeah. Well, that's true as well. Yeah. And so she Um, maybe is figuring that this young girl could use some of the strength of of a St. Christopher or something, you know? Okay. Uh, Anything else about 1954 that you want to bring up? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and move on to Yellowcoat Martha and Jonas. And we get that first scene, November 6th, 2052. It's that desert outside the buried bunker. And we've got adult Martha who shows Martha that this is your future as she reads the family tree connections written on chalk uh, on the walls of the bunker. And, you know, again, we've talked about Fred freezing the different family trees and, and, you know, discovering connections that we didn't know we had. And I took a few screenshots and it's really difficult whether there's a character standing in the way or, you know, we've got all those names crossed off and we learn that these are people that are going to die in two days if the apocalypse happens. But I didn't really learn anything from, you know, all of these chalked entries other than that you see that one line of dates where I think it starts around 1918 or 21. I forget what it is. And and they're not all uh, 33 years apart either. They're in some cases only one year apart. So, no, actually, you know what? I think they're like 1920 to 21 and then 53 to 54. And I don't know. Anyway. Uh, right, I didn't really learn much. Yeah, well, it, and it is a a pretty kind of um, striking statement about the impact of of this apocalypse, right? And the urgency to, as you know, Marta tells her younger self to prevent it from happening it seems like she's sending them out there to prevent it from happening again it's just it, it all ties back to this 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 cycle and this repetition and the you know the same things happening over and over again yeah and by the way if you don't stop it everybody dies right no pressure jonas yeah, yeah. um now adult martha explains to her younger self and jonas that the barrels start the apocalypse and they must prevent them from being opened and we go back to the you know the the yellow connection that we talked about at the beginning of the podcast that kind of surprised me as well um i mean we certainly at the time were were blaming clausen for 
causing the apocalypse, and I think we'd certainly be correct in assigning him blame. So stop him from being open. Well, what does that mean? Travel yeah. back in time? Right. And then you mentioned a, a few minutes ago about, well, who do we believe? Because one character says one thing to another character, then the other character says, oh, yeah, but he lied to you. Right. So, well, maybe you're lying that he lied. And not only are we confused, but the characters are confused. They don't know who to believe. They don't know what's true. And maybe we should let the yellow barrels be opened. But Yeah, I I mean, that's what I'm saying. This whole confusion as to, you know, what these characters really want to have happen you know it's it's just it, it's so confusing and i'm not gonna say frustrating because it's it's like a great ride you know and like when the one character you know martha tells him you have to go back and prevent this apocalypse and adam says ah she's lying to you you were just meant to go back and have sex so we just don't know what's going on. we don't know who to believe it's it's definitely not as simple as saying, oh, you know, like, here's the clear-cut good guy, here's the bad guy, and we root for this person, we want this person to be to, to succeed, and we root against this person, and we don't want that person to succeed. And there's just, there's no saying who's who or who's what, what if you look at it in that kind of uh, a paradigm of just, you know, black, white, good, evil, you know, and everything. And so we're, you know, and, and even with this idea of this origin, well, what, you know, now that Adam has seemingly discovered it, but, but he also apparently has known what it's been all along. So what does that mean? What is he going to do about it? Is he going to stop it? Well, he, like, as, as I said earlier, he could easily have already done that. So what's he going to do what's martha going to do what you know or eva i should say you know what's their what are they trying to accomplish here well right and in fact adult martha tells him old martha lied to you about being able to save your martha only one world can be saved and you've got to choose and at first i'm thinking okay that's something we talked about as a possibility but just because she says it doesn't make it true. Right. Maybe both worlds can be saved if a certain act is undertaken. I mean, we just don't know. I mean, on the one hand, I guess I feel like, okay, I'll roll with that idea at this point, that only one world can be saved. The Martha from Wind and Prime is dead. Dead is dead. And now it's, Jonas with Yellowcoat Martha. Right. But she also says, you've seen what you do there, which I assume she's referring to his turning into Adam. Right. But she doesn't really explain how doing this will prevent you from turning into Adam. So, yeah, exactly. So, right. There's, the, the, by by keeping their younger selves intentionally in the dark, they're able to manipulate their younger selves into doing what they've always done. If they're trying to prevent this apocalypse, 
how is ensuring the status quo going to accomplish that, right? Well, well, right. And look, I get Jonas having been in love with his Martha, seeing her die, and then being whisked away by another Martha that looks exactly the same and has a lot of the same experiences. Worse haircut, how, though. Or, yeah. And how there could be an attraction that would form pretty quickly, which is what seems to happen. And then adult Martha says, you know, by the way, she's not really your aunt. I mean, she doesn't say it that way, but you two can work in this scenario again, as you said, to try to manipulate them further because we know he wants to be with her, even though he hasn't necessarily verbalized. I mean, obviously we see it at the end of this, this scene, but it comes down to, whether or not Jonas is willing to sacrifice his world to be with this Martha, right? Yeah. I mean, well, in which he might already have done that, but but you know, if they, <laughs> I mean, just because the origin seems to be the progenitor of both worlds, by creating the origin, aren't they ensuring the? the viability of, of each of their worlds, right? I would think, I would think that's kind of the idea. Yeah. But I don't know. Obviously it, it freaks her out and and she runs out of the bunker up the sand dune in a, in a scene we remember from the trailer. And when he finally catches up with her, trust me, I know what it feels like as she's beginning to come to terms with, I don't want to say the truth, but certainly a truth. And, you know, we, we then see Jonas and Yellowcoat Martha enter the cave. We go back to the bunker and adult Martha is chalking in the connection of Yellowcoat Martha and Jonas, which leads to the infinity symbol. When Noah enters the bunker, and again, did you notice they play Noah's entrance music? Mm-hmm. It's almost as good as like Darth Vader's right. yes. music. Yeah. It's just so Noah. We are all born of him. I guess he's referring to the child that the two of them are, are going to give birth to. Right, right. Which I said, he's like, right? The, every every Both sides spring from this one dude. That's why I... That's why I feel like there's 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 not two separate sets of these guys. I don't know. Obviously, there is because you know cleft lips just don't bounce back and forth from one side of your mouth to the other. But you know, he's got that big infinity symbol in the middle of the you know of the family tree that has both sides spouting out from it. You know, right? And you know, then we finally get the scene where the two of them go back to her bedroom they have a again a, a pretty intensely intimate scene that we assume uh, leads to her ultimate pregnancy but he asks or i'm sorry she asks him what his martha was like and it's it's such a basic question but it's a question that i think indicates she's opening herself to these mega possibilities and and the fact that her life has been irrevocably changed even if she doesn't understand how or why quite yet 
when Jonas and Marta got together in season two, season two, yeah, right, one, yeah, I can't remember. But when he went back and uh, and 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 they had sex before, um, you know, it was this kind of like this last moment of innocence, right, between these two, and we and we get that feeling of that happening here, even though Jonas certainly is couldn't be considered quote unquote innocent because he knows so much of what's going on. He's been time traveling. The, um, this is like kind of like a, a, just a pure expression of love here. Um, but we just get a feeling that this is like the, the threshold of, you know, moving from, especially for, uh, you know, yellow coat Martha from moving from that state of innocence into one of, of experience. And, you know, because we, the the dark coat Marta that's with Adam can't be much further in the future from the Marta we see here at the end of this episode, right? Because she's she's not showing or anything in pregnancy, so it's if at at most uh, a month or two later could be days later. You know, there's definitely we see that she has changed a lot, and she's in with Adam's plan as the dark coat, as a traveling Marta. So, you know, this is kind of that, as it was in the previous season, it's just kind of this last moment of, 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 of innocence for both of these. Right. And Adam, and I'm going to keep calling her traveling Martha. You called her dark coat, Martha, one in the same, you know, they enter that crumbling deteriorating room, which is Martha prime's bedroom, because we see the, the photo on the floor that has Jonas, uh, Martha, and Bartosh in it. And of course, Jonas doesn't exist in the other world. So, you know, we know, but we don't really know when because the fact that it's deteriorated at first, we think it's, well, is it 2053 or is this just the aftermath of the 2020 apocalypse? So we're not really sure, I don't think, but he starts the long reveals here. Your older self, she sent you and Jonas back for a singular purpose, to have sex and have a kid. Yeah. Uh, you were never meant to stop. Yeah, you were never meant to stop the apocalypse. You were to create the seed. And that's when he places her hand on her stomach, in, implying that she's pregnant. Uh, the beginning of the knot and eventually its end. Your son, he is the origin. And of course, we know, well, how does Adam know it's a son? Because the cycle has apparently played out before. Mm -hmm. But then it cuts to adult unknown glaring at the Adam and Eve painting. And I'm thinking, well, is he their son? And obviously, that's what they want us to think sure. or, or, or they just want to confuse us even further. <laughs> so well, they've, done, they've been so successful with it at this point, you know, but, but yeah, I think we're, we're definitely because he said, you know, unless we don't believe him saying that he's Tronte's father, then he is right. If he's yeah. telling the truth to Tronte that he's his father, then he is this origin and, and he is Martha and Jonas's son. Now, we also see Adam in some other scenes in 2052 with Agnes, and he gives her that newspaper article with old Claudia's death story. And we've seen that before and says, give it to her when the time's right. So assume she's got a, 
a schedule that he's already printed out and given her so she knows when to give it to Claudia. And she asks Adam if he's going to tell Martha what the origin really is. And, you know, I mean, obviously he kind of does, but not really. But the one that confuses me a little bit is when is when Martha wakes from a dream and finds older Magnus sitting next to her and wants to know why you ditched us in 1888 with the material and tears are streaming down her face and this isn't her brother but it's her brother right right i mean this is not her magnus right not her magnus right but it is magnus right and that's the other thing it's it's almost as if the people in her world have just fallen by the wayside to a certain Mm -hmm. extent right true We, we haven't really it's been it's been quite a while since we really have gotten kind of updates on on any of those, except for you know, Ulrich was the last one, I think, right? That right. We, yeah. Right. And, and then we're in the 2052 power plant with Adam, Future Girl, traveling Martha and Agnes, and you know, we see older Magnus pull the lever, God particle starts to move. We don't really know to what year Agnes is traveling, but we do get that scene where she hugs Future Girl as I said, in a way that to me implies some sort of familial well, I connection. Think he, I think the future girl hugged her. I think she's the one that came up in. Oh, okay. But still, but, but yeah, still, there's, there's, there's a definite connection there, right? Yeah. And then Adam places the photo of the cleft lip trio in the Triketa book. And, you know, Martha confronts him about the promise he made her kept up her end of the deal. He he tells her it's time she too understood. Well, okay. How about the rest of us? I got my hand up. I'd like to understand as well, Mm -hmm. but I guess that's the fun of dark um, that, you know, it it is so confusing and we've got, you know, all of these things that belong to mothers, the bracelet, the watch, the St. Christopher medal. I mean, Fred brings up in his feedback, is it the same watch? I'm pretty sure it is. I, I yeah. did do screenshots and I'm pretty sure it's the same watch or at least the exact same model that is got for Charlotte engraved. So what else that we haven't talked about? Oh, I just like how like literally Bern Doppler had the permit dropped at his doorstep. I mean, that's a figure of speech in, in English, but like it literally happens here. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. And he's not going to ask any questions. No, but yeah, well, well, now that we're talking about burn, just because you had mentioned it before, that really weird scene between he, him, and Claudia, where he gives her it looks like a hundred marks for for helping out um, Helga, which seems like a lot of money. Um, I don't know what what that deal, except for you know, we know that she will be you know his. Let's say protege, protege, right? That's where I was looking for. Yeah, um, and but that's just like this, you know, older guy offering a, a young girl a lot of money. It's just like very sketchy, and even Claudia knows it's it's sketchy. But you know, he says, if you want something, take it, and and and, and I guess that's kind of like her philosophy with with Tranta as well, right? And I guess we could ask: Is he grooming her? as his protege from this early age, because while he doesn't know what Egon is going to turn into, we certainly do. And 
we can see Claudia is probably going to be on her own a lot as she grows older into adulthood. Right. All right. Anything else before we get to the feedback? Um, I think that's it. Okay. Well, before we get to Fred's feedback, we got to give you guys another spoiler warning, uh, just like we did last week. If you have not seen all eight episodes, you probably don't want to listen to this because there is a reveal that, as we said last week, technically was in an earlier episode, but I, I think many of you would see it as a major spoiler. So I'd warn you away. Wayne warned you away. Yes. It's up to you. Yeah. If you, if you haven't seen all eight, I would probably go no further and come back and listen to it after you've seen the rest. I mean, it's stuff that it was, like you said, like last week, it's, it's based on the, the, the pedigree that is, um, that is, you can see in the, in episode three and you can freeze frame and, and read it. But if you're not into that level of it and you, you just want things to happen organically, then, you know, you are been warned. You are been warned. So, you have been warned. That's what I meant to say. There you go. All right. Well, let's hear what Fred's got for us this week and we'll be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Dark, Season 3, Episode 4. Because I couldn't give proper audio feedback last podcast about Episode 3, this will be about Episode 3 and 4. At the beginning of Episode 3, it was very nice to see something that was in, I assume, 1822 or something like that. Perhaps 66 years earlier than 1888, but not necessarily. Why do I think that? Because the young Gustav Tannhaus is of age 10, 12 perhaps. And in 1888 he is 70, I estimate. So this should be around 1820. And we see that this Heinrich Tannhaus, so Gustav's father, is full into Sigmundus Creatus Est. We see his ring, uh, we see his cane, his walking stick. But Bartois says in the previous episode to Martha that the lodge, so the group Sigmundus Creatus Est of Henrich Tannhaus, is dissolved and that Gustav is the last member. Obviously, Adam has, in the 1920s, put new life into this group. Big question, of course, is if the watch that Henrich Tannhaus has is the same as Elizabeth has later, assuming that we are in World 1. It seems that this cleft lip trio easily travels between the two worlds and time, because they deliver this watch to old Martha in, I assume, the old world in 2019, whereas they get the watch in the other world in 1888. Or am I wrong and does this all play in the old world? Because if you see the two pedigrees of old Martha on the floor, there is also this whole Tannhaus line in the old world. Or am I just not paying attention enough? Because I recently discovered there is a left cleft trio and a right cleft trio. So there are total six and you really have to pay attention every time which trio it is. And I also wonder for whom the Prime World trio is working then. 
because we see that the old world trio is working with old Marta. I have to say, with this episode 3, but also with 4, I sometimes have difficulties to determine whether I'm in the old world or in the original world. Big question, of course, is what is the importance of this watch? And perhaps even the book with uh, Ariadne Play, the folder with stuff about the power plant, I understand that it can be important. When Mats Nielsen is found in the old world, Ulrich thinks that somebody kept his clothes and killed some other boy and put on Mats's clothes. Well, Ulrich, sorry, just do a DNA test and you will find out it's your brother. Of course, uh, Bartois and Jonas had to fight in the rain, and it never rains, lightly in Winden. Of course, we have seen this before. A real déjà vu, fitting to the title of the first episode. In episode 3, the old Martha says to Jonas, you will always choose for your Martha. But in episode 4, I have the impression that he starts to choose for the other one. Old Martha also says to Jonas, you have trusted Adam and look where it brought you. And now she wants him to trust her? Well, we will see in episode 4 that she's not so different from Adam. If I was you, I'd run. If I was you, I'd hide. If I was you, I'd be afraid. The so-called scar around Marta's neck, reminiscent of Jonas's scar, was in the trailer a red herring. When she arrives in 8088, her neck is fine. And in the meanwhile, nothing horrible happens to her. And when she leaves, she suddenly has this. It's just dirt. I checked whether the cave we see at the sand dunes is the same as in the woods. And I took a screenshot of the beginning of episode 4 with the three cleft guys in front of the cave. And I took one of the last shots of Marta and Jonas at the sand dune cave. And I mirrored that because it's in the old world. You can see it's exactly the same boulder structure. Just mirrored. Question is of course, is this 2053 in the old world or even more to the future? Okay, let's talk about episode 4. The first thing that puzzles me is that we see Agnes Nielsen here and Celia Tiedemann, which is future girl from season 1 and 2. And she actually is Agnes' mother, at least according to the pedigree of old Marta on the floor of her office. Strange is that this Celia is younger than Agnes. Well, stranger things happen, like Charlotte is Elizabeth's daughter. It's dark. About the whole thing between Hannah, Egon and Egon and Doris, I really wonder if Egon started drinking after Doris left him, because we never saw something of that before, and Ulrich always refers to him as that drunk, silly policeman. And the big question is, to what time did Hannah go? In which time period will she give birth, so that we can see Celia in the 2050s? The next thing I find very worrisome, if we see the stranger Marta, so the middle-aged Marta, draw in the bunker a line between Jonas and Marta, and then a line down to the infinity sign, and we see the sex between old Marta and Jonas at the end of the episode, we think that the infinity sign is a child of the both of them, which is also confirmed by Adam later when he explains to old Marta what is the origin, pointing at her belly. 
And if we then know that the creepy adult cleft lip guy does know Agnes Nielsen from way back, and we see in the pedigree that the infinite design is connected to Agnes Nielsen in both worlds, we really are going to wonder if this cleft lip guy is the son of Martha and Jonas. I think I wouldn't like that. He's so creepy. A little later, by the way, Alt Noah walks in. And if you then look at the wall, you see a whole row of years scribbled down. And the top year is 1822. And that's the year I calculated in which this episode starts. With Henrich and Gustav Tannhaus in the garage on their way to the Ariadne play. In the sense of predictions, I'm happy that two of my predictions came true. I really wondered if there would be a middle-aged or a stranger Marta as well. And I also wondered whether this Ouroboros bracelet of Diana would be important. And it seems to be. Tronta gives this to Diana, actually already when they are children. Time to say goodbye. What I don't understand is why Tronta is quite satisfied that his mother is gone. Perhaps it's because she put him in a foster home. Last thing I want to do is report a continuity error, because when the cleft lip guy is flipping through the notebook, there are two pages that are exactly the same. Greet all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Um, you know, we've talked from time to time, and Fred brings up the importance of the watch. I guess outside of the obvious time connection, we we know it dates back to 1818, 1820, or maybe even earlier. So how far back are we going here? I mean, yeah. is this going to be like a continuum where they send, uh, what's his name, Kellogg back to the uh, Stone Age or right. <laughs> whenever they send him back? So, I yeah, I don't know at this point clearly it is i mean a symbol to have any symbolic meaning has to recur throughout the work and certainly this watch has recurred throughout the three seasons of dark as has the ariadne play which is i think a lot easier to understand because of the labyrinth and and certainly the red string that we've we've seen you know outside of that fred i'm not sure about the watch and and how it's going to play out yeah you know it's just another we've talked about these these objects that um you know repeatedly show themselves throughout time and <laughs> space now too even maybe um just at least time and you know the the fenning the uh you know the watch the saint christopher medal the time machine you know it's just like these recurring things that that uh show this this cyclical again i think it speaks back to that cyclical yeah cyclical nature of of time travel in in dark or, or in time right. itself right now you know he mentions uh, the time period that hannah travels to because we see her leaving egon and we presume 1953 you know we don't know how well she knows how to use that time machine so from a realistic standpoint it's pretty much hit or miss i would think i mean we never really see anybody explain it to her right uh no Jonas explained it to her oh okay he does mm -hmm. so oh okay so then i guess she can pick the 33 year period that 
she'll travel to, and we can assume she's not going to go backwards to 1921. So my guess would be 2020. I mean, she doesn't really know about the apocalypse and 2053 and all that. And if she decides to leave 1953 because of being able to get better medical attention for an abortion in a future time period, that makes perfect sense. Why not go to 2020 rather than 1987? So I'm assuming it's going to be 2020, but we shall see. And then, of course, I think we assume Egon starts drinking after Doris leaves him. I mean, we certainly see that scene where he's at the table and the kids come home and he doesn't even acknowledge that they're there. Right. And so, you know, we'd say, okay, how does Ulrich Nielsen, who's, you know, like 16, 17 years old when we see him, how does he know so much about Egon that he can say something like, Oh, you know, ever since your wife left you, you've been a drunk when he wasn't even alive back then. Well, you know, we see Tronto, right, comes in there and he, and he's witnessing this firsthand and certainly must have told his son, yeah, Aegon Tidelman, you know, once Tiedelman, uh once he, uh, you know, his wife left him, that guy started drinking. He hasn't been the same since. So, um, you know, clearly that's something that uh, Tronto passed on to his son. And Fred brings up the the bracelet that we talked about. And I think what's fascinating for me is to trace the ownership of these different objects, whether it's the watch, the bracelet, the St. Christopher medal, how many of them are there? Is it the same one that's just survived different timelines? And the, the fact that one item gets passed from a person to another person that maybe we wouldn't expect that to be the case. But, and then of course, Fred finds a continuity error. So uh, I don't know if he'll post this photo from the Tricata book on the website or or, or on the uh, Facebook group or not, but it's still hard for me to see what Fred's pointing out in the picture, but we'll see. He says something about a double page. Um, Yeah. Again, that's the, that, that stuff that I just, I trust Fred's on top of that. And I just don't. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, all right. Anything else about Fred's feedback? Oh, no. Well, just the one thing he said, the difficulty, and I I think he recorded this before he listened to our previous podcast, because there's some stuff we talked about there, but like the way to tell from moving from one world to the next is definitely the zoom transitions that, you know, and once you, work that out then it's pretty clearly that they're they just do that when they're moving from one world to the next so just keep uh keep track of your zooms and you'll be okay all right well fred thank you as always great stuff i guess that will do it you know in terms of a grade dude uh, i'm thinking going a plus on this one i know we usually reserve those for the finale yeah this episode just has everything in it and uh, yeah nudity not a action though <laughs> well i don't know I think a good I mean, gunfight to give it the a plus so I well think, yeah, okay but, yeah. well i'm 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 well, at least an a yeah for me so, sure so you seem a bit reticent to go with the plus so we'll we'll hold off and see what i do on the uh blog post but Great episode. As we said, we've reached the midway point. We've got the, the the final four episodes of Dark coming up. And 
you know, guys, check the Facebook group for our recording and release schedule. It's going to be subject to change as life gets in the way or doesn't get in the way. But sure. Either way, that's going to do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. We want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Dark, anything else going on in genre TV. Join the Facebook group, share your thoughts with the community there. If you want to shoot us an email, it's sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. And we'll be back next time to discuss Season 3, Episode 5 of the German Netflix series Dark, titled Life and Death. But until then... You know, my mother always made sure I closed my door at night because otherwise it leaves the door open to the devil. <laughs>